Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. This is episode number 72 of the Tartan Talks series. And the more you study golf course architecture, the more you realize that there are a lot of second generation golf course architects out there. And joining us is one of those, Garrett Gill. Garrett's been in the industry for 45 years. And before him, his father, David Gill, was a longtime golf course architect. Garrett radiates positivity and just has a tremendous perspective on everything related to golf course architecture and golf course operations. And he's still going strong as he approaches 70 years old. But before we get going with Garrett, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad they're on board. We're glad that Garrett was able to take so much time to join us. Well, Garrett, thanks for joining the podcast. It's awesome to have you on the Tartan Talks. And the first thing I have to ask you, and this might be the toughest question I asked during the entire podcast, is you're both a Badger and an Aggie by academic training. We have a lot of college football fans here uh, who listen to this podcast. What's a better college football tradition, jump around or the 12th man? Well, uh, when I was at Madison, you know, they, they didn't have the jump around. And uh, so, I mean, that was now my daughter, uh, McKenzie, uh, and she was named after Alistair McKenzie, the golf course architect. Anyway, she's a badger. And so I went, you know, when I when we would visit her and during, you know, we went to her graduation, that's really the first time I, I got the, the real feel for the for the jump around. So now and then uh, so, I, so I don't have the, my own personal jump around experience. And then, uh, so I was at graduate school there at Texas A&M, and uh, I considered myself only half an Aggie because I was only there for for my two years of, of graduate school. But that that twelfth man, you know, that that guy's name was Gill too, and so I, you know, I probably have uh, I got a little bit little bit better feel for uh, you know for the uh, for the Aggies and, and the Aggie tradition of the twelfth man and and the fact that. You know, of course, during all those games, uh, you know, you would stand uh, just because, you know, the idea that, that you're ready to you're ready to jump in and, and ready to go. And so that was, you know, that that had sort of a, you know, a, a hit home sort of aspect to it, to it as well. But, yeah, so that, I, I don't really have a good one for the for the jump around other than it looked like it was a lot of fun. OK, I got to get this out of the way. So you named your daughter. Mackenzie, when did you tell her that she was named after a golf course architect, and how did she react? Well, uh, of course, uh, so she sort of shortened it herself to Mac, um, but uh, uh, she had, she had no qualms. Uh, I think she maybe liked it better than some of the other names we we were thinking about. <laughs> but yeah, oh, she. Uh, uh, I don't know if she te- how she. I don't know how she tells the story, but anyway, that's how I tell it. <laughs> What about Alistair McKenzie and his work do you like so much that made you go that route in a highly personal way? What is it about McKenzie's work that just has resonated with you as you've studied it? What I thought was most most inspiring was was how he how he looked at every project and, and didn't really duplicate you know himself. Uh, uh, sometimes you know you look at architecture and you see oh well he did it here and, he, and they did it there and you know but. I, I didn't get that sense with with McKenzie that everything looks so just so pure uh, and original. It's kind of interesting. We've had uh, multiple um, second generation golf course architects on the Tartan Talks podcast. Now, why are so many ASGCA members second generation golf course architects? And what was it about the industry and your dad 
David's line of work that attracted you to it? Well, I mean, I, I think I got to think that that all of us second generation architects, uh, we have to think of ourselves as being lucky. I mean, at least at least that's how I you know I think of myself and, and the opportunity to have worked with my father. I had I have uh, three other brothers, and uh, you know we all grew up. Uh, essentially working working for my dad in one form or another. My dad was also a you know a civil engineer, and he did a lot of his own surveying. And so we were, of course, my brothers and, and I. We were the we were the rod men. So I mean, he we'd be pulling the chains and, and taking the you know taking the stick out through the woods. And you know, so that that's where we sort of saw uh, you know my my dad in in action. My other brothers, you know, they had. They had other pursuits. Uh, you know, one's a he's retired now, but he was an editor. He's a journalist and an editor, or was. I got another brother that's a family practice uh, uh, doctor, and my and my youngest brother he's a he's a uh, uh, a musician. So I mean, but I was I was the you know I, I sort of the one that you know that enjoyed being out um, on these different projects with my dad. Um, you know when he when he was. Uh, we go on these field visits and field trips and, uh, you know, to do the site inspections. And so I enjoyed, enjoyed being with them and enjoyed, you know, being outside, being in the dirt, um, you know, making things. And, uh, so I, I think that's, that's where I sort of got my, you know, some of my inspiration. And I have to give credit to my mother, my mother as well, in that, you know, she, she was an artist and, uh, she had drive. Uh, she was, and, and, uh, so I, I think I got a little bit of that idea to, or a little bit of that sense to want to try to, to strive and, and be as I could through from my mother. Do you remember when and where you made your first design decision contribution to your dad's work? Do you remember how old you were and what course it was at where he took your input and used it? I think one of my first ones, I remember my father, he liked uh, uh, Oldsmobile Tornados. I don't, you know, so that I'm talking about the 66s, the 67 versions. The one that sort of had the sleek, the sleek front end. Well, anyway, my dad liked Toronados, and uh, so I, this might—it had to be in high school sometime because you know I think I assisted him driving up there. But anyway, he he thought this thing was you know had four wheel drive. I mean, it really had front wheel drive. But I remember we were at Ives Grove, and that's in Sturtevant, Wisconsin, just south of Racine. There, when da- when my dad was doing the um, uh, the Ives Grove golf links, and, and we were. Driving around the site, and this was this was before it was actually a golf course. And anyway, he got the thing stuck. So I think my first contribution might have been, Dad. I think I think there's a drainage problem here. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think my, you know, the the contributions that I that I that uh, truly, uh, you know, I feel that I made. Um, my my dad in the in the early seventies, he had. Uh, um, you know, cardiac uh, 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 arterial bypass grafts. Uh, you know, he had he you know started getting tired, and you know they they did the stress test and found that he had ninety percent blockage. So he so he went through and you know had uh, you know where they crack open the chest and, and did the uh, the bypass grafts. And so during that time, he was sort of laid up because the the surgery just wasn't as efficient as it is now. And so you know they. Uh, but during that time, we were working on the Meadowbrook links out there in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I did the majority of the site visits and the field work when we were 
when when that course was being built, uh, you know, on the behalf on behalf of my of my father, and so that that was a pretty you know pretty important time. And of course, I I definitely got my my feet uh, muddy and dirty uh, uh, out there out there in the field on that. So that's that's that probably, and I'm sure I might have had some other ideas, you know, that, that I passed along, um, but you know, none that none that stick out quite as much as those two. Were you a teenager at the time? No, that would have been um, so at, at, in, at Rapid City. That would have been uh, uh, probably my college years, or maybe just as might have might have just gotten out of uh, might have just gotten out of a uh, and uh, there, or in between Madison and A and I'd have to go back and, and look at look at the calendar to figure that out exactly. But some sometime in that. So I mean, twenty four, you know, twenty three, someplace in there. Was it going to be? Golf course architecture or nothing else for you? Did you consider any other career paths, or was that what you always wanted to do? Well, so you know, my my degrees were in landscape architecture. So, though, uh, so I always felt that I mean, you know, if, you know, if worse comes to worse, I I do that. But no, it, it was you know pretty much you know from from the beginning. I I like this idea of, of of the golf courses, and and you know, you think about it is is that. Or at least some of the way that I think about it, and it, and it humbles me um, tremendously, is to think that you're, you know, you're you're making an impression on the face of the earth that that's uh, that can be seen from outer space. So I mean, it's it, you know really uh, mind-boggling to me that you know here we're, you know we're putting this stamp on the on the face of the earth that that you know others can see. So it looks like you formally entered the industry around 1977. That was 45 years ago. How much has the business changed in? that time gosh it goes back you know when we started it was uh uh mylar you know rapidiograph ink pens uh pin bars uh, uh you know it was all you know lead, you know mechanical pencils triangles t-squares i mean just from the you know from from that from that production side and i think too you know at that at that point um you know there was a lot of this idea that uh, um you know the the strategic golf. Uh, I mean, that was uh, the idea of multiple tees. Um, you know, new or new thoughts that were going on, flashing bunkers up. You know, again, my dad. Uh, uh, you know, he worked originally with Robert Bruce Harris. You know, along with you know Larry Packard, Ken Killian, Brent Wadsworth. Um, you know, those guys. So he, he worked with Robert Bruce Harris, and he didn't. He worked maybe with Robert Bruce Harris maybe for for two years or thereabouts, and then decided he could do it better than Robert Bruce Harris, and started developing his own style for you know for bunkers and green complexes, and and so you know I uh, that I sort of saw that initially as a, you know when I, when I was starting out, but then you know I think we went you know over the course of the years we went into this I call it this landscape uh, design phase or craze where, you know, a lot of us that were coming into the profession essentially had our careers in landscape architecture. And in, and in landscape architecture, I got the, you know, we sort of got the impression where you have to make things loud, you know, loud in the landscape. So, you know, they had to be dramatic. And so the, you know, we really started rolling, you know, things around and, and, uh, and, and making these great, uh, you know, pictures in essence. Uh, and then, but now, you know, I think, you know, the recession hit and we saw, you know, a lot of these courses, you know, that that just had, 
I mean, we might have gone too far, built too many, built too fast, got too crazy, found things that got difficult to be maintained or were difficult to, to sustain in terms of uh, in terms of cost. And so, uh, uh, you know, saw that hit. And, and now I think we're, you know, I think maybe we're becoming a little bit more sensible, uh, coming, you know, back to the idea that, that, hey, we do have to look at do have to look at the, the maintenance aspects of golf and how, you know, what we can do as architects to keep golf, you know, affordable yet interesting and challenging. So I, I think, it, I think we've, in, in one sense, we've, we've made a big circle, but, but I think we're still, we're still improving, we're still improving the game and, and uh, the sport and what we can offer golfers. What were some of the stresses your dad faced um, operating the business side of a golf course architecture firm in the era that he did? And how did those stresses compare to the ones that you faced since you started your own firm in the mid eighties? Well, um, I, I think, I think they're, they were pretty much, or they're very similar in a way. Um, you know, w- what I found is, is that I could work with my dad. I, I couldn't work for him. And, and that's, you know, that's why I, essentially started my, my own business, you know, I think, um, and again, uh, my business and my father's business, you know, would be definitely called small, small business. I mean, my dad always, he had a, you know, associate or two that, that he would always work with, um, you know, never, you know, never more than one or two employees. And, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty much the same. And it's always the challenge, you know, particularly when you, you know, when you have employees, you know, you want you want to do well for them. You want to pay them as much as you possibly can pay them. You want to give them every opportunity you can, you possibly can. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's where the, that's what sort of builds some of the challenge or some of the stresses of just, you know, hey, making sure you can meet payroll and and uh, offer health benefits and all those, all those typical kinds of things of, of running a business. Nowadays, you know, that that was similar too with my small business. But added on top of that was, you know, all these all these licensure and permitting issues. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, just to be so I'm registered as a landscape architect, not necessarily because I have to, but because it 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 provides, you know, a little level of of, of additional support. You know, when I go work in these different states, so just maintaining licensure and and uh, uh, you know, in, in the various states that we work and and then you know, keeping up with all the the environmental, you know, permitting aspects, watershed districts. Again, it's sort of a boundless uh, 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 myriad of, of, uh, of hurdles that we're that we're you know dealing with. When it's just one or two of you uh, working in a business, do you develop relationships outside your business? What type of relationships have you had with other golf course architects over the? the years and sometimes is it, do you feel a bit isolated when you, when you do work for a small, small business like you did or have? Well, I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've had, I've just had just a tremendous number of great relationships with, with the various people. I mean, various people because of golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is a, uh, it's a, it's a hugging kind of, uh, in, environment uh, in that, you know, you, the uh, the projects um, they, they take several years, and so you develop these these long term relationships with with uh, with clients and and superintendents and and 
you know, so that, you know, that that's endearing to me that you're, that you're building, uh, friendships, you know, like you go buy a car and that, and that car salesman is your friend for a day. And, uh, you know, when you, when you, you know, work on a golf, on these golf course projects, you know, these people, you know, for, for many, many, many years and, and you get to meet their family and their kids. And, and, uh, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I think that's a, a tremendous perspective on it. And then, of course, I've had the fortune to work, just work with some tremendous people. And, you know, George Williams, uh, you know, is one of those. Uh, uh, George and I met in graduate school there at Texas A&M. He and, and I and Gary Sorensen were the uh, uh, the golf team, uh, so to speak, at, at Texas A&M when we were in graduate school. And we had this uh, crazy head of the department, Don Austin, you know, he, he was a golf nut. And, uh, so he, he enabled us to, uh, to pursue this sort of golf, uh, minor. And, uh, so we got to work with Joe Finger and Marvin Ferguson and, and some other, and my dad, uh, you know, as we were, as you know, when we were in college, just exploring, you know, trying different, trying different things and looking at different golf courses. So, but I mean, George, uh, and then George and I worked together, you know, I called it in what I had sent you, my American golf years. Um, George and I would, would uh, uh, travel all about, you know, all across the country, you know, working on these American golf projects. Most of them were just, you know, tech, what I would call technical fixes, uh, you know, drainage, car paths, irrigation, re- rebuilding tees, um, you know, the, uh, drainage, uh, th- those kinds of things. But you know, when we had the, when, when American golf was growing there, we had the, the opportunity to develop, you know, several new, new projects. And George was just, um, I mean, he just has tremendous insight. And like when you come up to an intersection and you're sort of lost, you don't know whether to turn left or right. Well, George would always, always turn in the right, right direction. I think for my, for me, half the time I'd turn right, the other half I'd turn wrong. So, but, but uh, again, that was, George was, is just a uh, one of those you know just tremendous people that uh, and we still visit um, you know periodically here. But he he was one of those. I probably got wandering here on the question. <laughs> no, that makes to- total sense. And uh, we wander a lot on the Tartan Talks podcast. Heck, we wander a lot on all of our podcasts. But uh, have you had a chance to work on any of the the courses that your dad worked on, or that you had you spent time on as a child and teenager have you yet received those opportunities to work on them a few decades later yes i yes i have and uh so uh, i think uh three three great opportunities uh one of those was at ives grove there in in, in uh, sturdivant the one that i talked about us being out there and my dad getting this tornado stuck but uh i got we got invited back or, or i got invited back to do the third nine there it's, it's 27 holes now and uh got invited back to do the third nine and uh the uh the director at that time his name was carl holsworth um he was the director of parks for racine county parks and my dad my dad passed away in 91 and i think we did ives grow for the link up maybe in in 90 94 someplace in there but uh anyway so i added the third nine to my dad's original 18 hole course and and carl bless his heart said I think he did better than his old man. So, I mean, I was, I was very appreciative of, of that, of those comments. And then the village links uh, in Glen Ellen, Illinois, uh, that was uh, one of my dad's 
all-time favorite projects that that he did. You know that that was 27 holes as well. My dad did the original 18, and then in the early 70s uh, added what was called the Link Up Nine there to make Village Links 27 holes. And then um, we got the opportunity to do the major uh, renovation of, of that course. Um, putting some more length on it because it was one of the qualifiers for the West, Western Open. And so we added a little bit more length and, and uh, uh, you know, rebuilt the greens and the bunkers and, and improved some of the drainage. But, again, that was a, that was a remarkable uh, accomplishment to be asked to come back and, and work on, uh, on that golf course uh, for the village of Glen Ellen. And then lastly, um, and probably most recently, uh, Meadowbrook Links out in Rapid City, South Dakota, and actually the uh, another George Williams story. George was the George was the the golf course construction foreman out there for Gunderson Golf uh, at uh, at that time. Um, this was prior to us starting our American Golf work. But uh, anyway, so so George was out there, and then um, um, you know I was out there when my when my dad was having his his heart surgery, but. Anyway, we got invited back uh, to Meadowbrook Links. Uh, probably this might have been like six or seven years ago. Now we we did the updated the master plan and re, and redid the bunkers and some of the other technical improvements there at at uh, the links at, uh, at or the Meadowbrook Links there in Rapid City. So that was so at least three projects uh, where uh, you know that that my dad had had started and then I got to, I got to mess with I guess. Make them better, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at now uh, with your work, and what are some current focuses you have here in 2022? Well, I mean, um, so we're doing uh, doing a lot of master planning for various courses and clubs, which I see as a, you know, I think that's a good barometer, uh, you know, of, of what's happening. If, if clubs are if clubs are looking at and courses are looking at making improvements to their to the golf courses. Uh, and they're and they're willing to invest in planning. I, you know, that that's a good that's a good start. So we're we've been doing quite a quite a bit of planning, and then the rest of it, you know, I, I'd say, you know, it's just been um, the 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 analogy would be fixing roofs. Uh, you know, whether it's drainage problems, cart paths, uh, uh, rebuilding some greens, uh, bunkers, you know, those kinds of those kinds of things. Uh, uh, you know, not nothing brand brand new uh but uh but just you know fixing and maintaining you know what what exists so currently we're up at hayward we're working with the hayward golf club which is uh just one of the premier golf courses up you know northern wisconsin uh we're assisting them with various various projects um we're um working in north dakota at a at a couple uh again they're they're uh you know, semi-private, but they're open to the public uh, golf courses. Um, you know, just just west and south of Fargo there. So we've got a couple of those projects. So we've been. It's busy. It, it's uh, again, it's enjoyable work. Um, nice clients, but it's not. You know, we're not doing anything brand new. I think our last our last brand new project was might have been El Zagel in for the Fargo Park District here maybe four years ago. And that was a nine-hole par three that that um, uh, that we created in an area that had been previously flooded, you know, by the uh, by the Red River of the North. They, you, you can't confuse that with the red with the 
Texans would call the real Red River, but uh, this is the Red River that flows north or the Red River of the north. But, you know, Fargo and, and that whole area between Fargo and Grand Forks, it's just that Red River just floods. And so this was a course that had been uh, underwater and uh, Corps of Engineers came in and put in some levees and we got the chance to rebuild that or redesign that for the for the Fargo Park District. But that's uh, but otherwise it's it's we've just done a lot of remodeling and renovation work. You're based in uh, River Falls, Wisconsin, which is not too far from the Twin Cities. You mentioned you've worked in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Upper Wisconsin. How would you describe some of the landscapes you've worked on in those parts of the country? And I don't think a lot of our listeners are too familiar with the Gulf in those regions. Well, um, so you know, you know, part of the reason for you know when we when I relocated because I. Uh, relocated to River Falls. I mean, that was in part, you know, the Twin Cities area. And my my spouse, uh, Rita Kozak, the reason we ended up in River Falls, she took a teaching position at the at UWRF here, uh, University of Wisconsin, River Falls. So she was a professor. And, 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 and at that time, you know, George and I were working on our American golf stuff. And it was like, you know, hey, I just need to be close to a, you know, I, I, I could be anywhere, but it'll you know, close to a big airport, major metropolitan center. And so, you know, landing in River Falls, you know, again, was, was just perfect. Uh, but what I like about, you know, working in, in, in the Midwest, and, you know, in, uh, and in particular Minnesota and Wisconsin is, is that, I mean, we have, we have all the natural qualities that, that a golf course is looking for. I mean, we got the varied terrain, we've got wetlands, we've got wooded forests, we've, um, uh, plenty of water, um, so I mean all of the all of the materials and elements to make these you know really you know interesting and challenging golf courses just exist. I mean, gosh, you look over what they've done there in Kohler and all those places, and, and uh, I mean that's what Wisconsin and Minnesota is. I mean, it's just these tremendous opportunities to to express yourself, and um, so that, that I really like work, you know, working, you know, working in this area. And I put Iowa in that category too. Iowa, Iowa is a great state to, to work in. And, and then of course the, the Dakotas, I mean, you start to, um, it gets a little wilder and, uh, the, uh, uh, again, from Eastern North or South Dakota to the Western Dakotas, I mean, the terrain's just, just so different, um, you know, as you move, uh, to the West, but, the I think the thing that strikes me most about North Dakota and South Dakota, uh, you know, are are the people and and the, and the work ethic. They're they're so willing to get by with so little, and they and they make the most of everything that they have. You know, they you look at the golf courses there, and they're and they're maintaining these things with crews of three to five or maybe three to six, you know, versus you know, eight or more, you know, that that you might find anywhere else. So they. They and they really band together well. I mean, you can talk to one superintendent in South Dakota, and he's going to know every other South, every other superintendent in that state, and probably half the ones in North Dakota, and vice versa. So they're they're you know they're they're very much they're very loyal, um, they're very hardworking, and again, some of the golf properties that that we've been working on out there from, I mean, we've been in Watertown here in South Dakota. Uh, Chamberlain, we uh, just finished, uh, been doing some work in Chamberlain there, right on the, right on the Missouri River. Um, and it's just, I mean, it, it's a uh, uh, very enjoyable, I guess, very enjoyable uh, work. And mainly, again, it's the people that, that make it that way. 
Yep, you just took the next question here. I was going to ask you, uh, you get to work in some stunning landscapes, but what do you what do you go home remembering? It, it sounds like the people more than even the land. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, every project's got, you know, has a story, and, uh, you know, and that's what I, you know, I re- you know sometimes I can't have a hard time remembering the years, you know, exactly when, when these things happen, but uh, but you do you re- you remember you remember the you remember the people, so I think that that that's exactly right, guy. I mean that's that's what I come away with, you know, thinking about these things. Have you showed up on any of the sites you've worked on in that part of the country and wondered how how are we going to build a golf course here? What's been the most challenging site or some of the most challenging sites you've encountered? You know that that's the interesting thing about golf course architecture. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I like to say there aren't any rules. You know, it's not like designing a freyway or a highway or a. I mean, in, in golf, it's it, it's almost you know any anything goes. I mean, you have to. I think I think the the requirement is is that you have to have a certain sense about you know, uh, play, you know playability and and of course the the ultimate goal is to develop a golf course that that golfers will want to come back and play you know again and again and again. That was certainly part of my father's philosophy, but. But, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, from the impossibility of performance, you know, I, I don't I don't know if we've ever come across anything that that we haven't been able to haven't been able to figure it out. You know, we when we were doing Willingers down there in Northfield, this would have been early 1990s. Um, the uh, client initially, you know, had a hundred and forty acres and, you know, half of it was wet and and, uh, you know, I, you know, I happen to, you know, say, well, uh, you know, for, if, you know, if you want to try to get close to 7,000 yards, you're going to need some more land. And so they went out and bought another, you know, 80 acres, again, of which half of that was wetland too. But I mean, that's what, that's what sort of builds the, the intrigue of, uh, you know, Willingers is, you know, playing in and around these wetland areas. And that was, that was bad. You know, you couldn't, you know, you had these just at the start when they, when the EPA and, and the uh, DNR were getting all over you for for messing with any of the wetlands, so it was you know the challenge there became you know routing this golf course through part of the woods and the farm field and and the tree nursery that it was and, and the wetlands, and that's what makes it truly unique. So usually I look at these things, these challenges as gosh opportunities to to make the golf course unique and, and impressionable. I think when I was doing research for this, I saw the word fun on your website uh, a few times. Uh, what can a golf course architect do to make golf fun? And is that a word that was kicked around as much in the 70s when you first got into the business? Or is it something that's been kicked around a lot more now here in the 2020s? Well, I mean, so, you know, it's it's the, the, and again, I think, you know, that what differentiates, you know, golf course architects, you know, in my opinion, is philosophy. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of us, you know, have the ability to, to route 18 holes on a piece of paper or on a topo map and, and, have the ability to, to manipulate CAD and, and, uh, you know, do grading and drainage. So the, so the difference really comes down, you know, uh, you know, in, into philosophy. And I think the easiest way to, th- to think about some philosophy would be in bunkers, for example. Uh, and I and I like bunkers from the idea that they're an adjustable element. But you, you, I mean, you could have bunkers that are so gruesome where you have to hit out of them backwards or sideways. So, but 
that wouldn't be part of my philosophy. Now, that might be other people's philosophy, but I always think that, or at least I try to make that the chance of recovery. So, yes, you went offline a little bit. You, you got yourself into, into a bunker. But if you hit a good shot, you know, hopefully you can get back into the game and, and maybe possibly win the hole. If not, at least have a better chance at, at, uh, at uh, tying the hole. So, I mean, to me, you know, uh, you know, bunkers can be defensible, but they can't be they can't destroy you or they, or they shouldn't destroy so that, you know, I, and that that I think comes back to the idea, you know, when we look at when we look at golf courses being fun, you know, the uh, some of the original thought was is that, uh, you know, particularly with multiple tees is, is that, you know, it, it put everybody in the same landing position. Well, I don't know if that really ended up making golf fun. I think that because then you have your low handicappers and your high handicappers vying um you know, with with the with the same hazards, we're really, uh, you know, I think we're supportive of, and I'm sure you're aware of it, this ASGCA Longleaf Tea Initiative. I really like that because now it's spread that landing area out back to where, almost as if you had individual tees, and not that has to be placed such that it's not interfering with everybody's game. Um, it's only interfering, you know, with with the game of some. So I, you know, I think that that's Part of the, our our idea for for hazards and making golf fun is you know is the, of course the proper placement and treatment of those, you know having the ability of having a ground route to the hole so that those that can't get it airborne can still get through the course without you know you know losing a ball or putting ten on their card. Um, it, I do like the idea of what you know how golf has evolved with you know leaving the stick in or you know leaving the the flag in. Um, uh, you know, not raking bunkers because it it keeps the you know keeps the game moving. A um, little less emphasis on quite being so rule heavy. So I mean, I think I think all of those things are are working to make you know to make it again fun again. And I think that's what we have to do. You know, letting 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 golfers uh, you know be able to express themselves out on the course, whether it's how they dress you know, or music they play or whatever. I think that's, I think that's, that's where, that's where we need to be to keep growing the game and, and keeping it fun. This got me thinking about a question that seems pretty logical, but I've never asked on the Tartan Talks podcast, who's harder to design a golf course or renovate a golf course for the 20 handicapper or the scratch golfer? Well, the scratch golfer, I mean, it's way easier to design a golf course. I think for the scratch golfer, you, you can literally make them do anything mm-hmm. and, and, and most likely they could, they can do it. You know, the, the idea is getting that 20 handicapper around there in such a way that that they keep a 20 handicap, you know, and not and not not have their handicap uh, handicap balloon. So I think, you know, and then you, you look at the safety aspects. Uh, I mean, we have to. I think you know we make or we need to make quite an effort or strive to make the effort to keep golf courses safe. And definitely, it's a little harder. To, to make the golf course safe for the for the 20 handicapper. Now, in my own defense, and I'm probably now a 20 handicapper, but you know, I hit my 20 handicap, I'm pretty straight. But the challenge is, of course, you got some handicap, some 20 handicappers that that uh, that hit it far, but they just can't hit it straight. And those those are for sure some of the ones that are the most challenging to design for. Guys like myself that 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 uh, 
I earned my 20 the hard way, um, you know, or I goof up once, you know, someplace on the hole at some point, but, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not losing golf balls, but I'm hitting it fairly straight. So I don't know that that's a, <laughs> I'd be, you need to ask that question more and see what, see what others, see what others give you. Yeah, we need to get like 10 architects on the podcast and just debate that question for what, like 17 hours? <laughs> that would probably how, would be how long it would be. <laughs> it's obvious that this business, this industry and golf course architecture are, are a highly personal thing to you and your family. What excites you and concerns you about the, the future of the profession? You know, I, I see, well, at least, at least in my own profession, you know, I think of it as sort of as a, as a rocket or, or a, you know, that that's literally shoots straight up and go, or goes nearly, nearly straight up and keeps going up. And then at some point, at some point it, it, uh, uh, you know, it, it explodes. And so the, you know, I think the career of the golf course architect, you know, uh, just keeps climbing, 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 and climbing. And, and it's certainly something that, you know, I look forward to, you know, I'm headed towards 70 here next year. And, uh, uh, you know, but I, but I see my, I just see myself getting better and better and better and better. At some point I won't be able to do it. And that, you know, that's, that's when it explodes, but, you know, I still, I still think that, that we, that we've got a good, uh, good life ahead of us as, as golf course architects. And I, and I think too, that, you know, with this, with the pandemic and, and the COVID, I think that that's opened a lot of our eyes too as to, you know, uh, you know, how, how golf might work in the sense that, you know, it's not unusual at all for us to see emails anymore from from clients or coworkers that are coming in at two thirty in the morning. You know, and and then you know realizing, hey, that that might be their most productive time. We don't have to worry about this eight to five or or nine to five kind of kind of lifestyle, and we can use that use that other time. You know, whether it's playing golf or or, or other you know activities, and we can get our work done. You know, from home or in some other mode from the car or however that works. So, I mean, I, I just think all of that is just so good for golf and that COVID is as bad as it uh, was and still is. I mean, it's opened our eyes that, Hey, that, 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 that there is a, that there is continuing to be a future. I'm not sure about others, but I mean, here in the Midwest, as bad as it sounds, COVID has been, has been good for golf um, in terms of what it, whether it's getting other people that may have st- quit playing golf for a while to come back. Um, whether it's getting, you know, new people or, you know, new at golfers to, to come try the game. And of course it's been, been good for everybody that's just got to, just has to get out and hit the ball every once in a while. So, I mean, I, I, I see, I, I don't, I don't see, I think we've been through the worst. I think, you know, I definitely see things getting, you know, getting better and I'm glad it's happening at a time, you know, when I get to, to experience, uh, you know, a re, you know, a good rebirth or return to golf, um, you know, that we saw, you know, in, in the nineties. Last thing here, Garrett, uh, how fortunate are you to be approaching 70 and still have a job that excites you with growth potential that you're getting better at? I think most people that get close to 70, they're counting down to days to retirement. How, how fortunate are you that you have a field where you can really extend your career basically as long as you want? Well, I mean, hopefully, I've I've come across as, as being excited about this. I mean, it, I definitely have a uh, you know a, a passion, and 
and again, for the for the same reason, I mean, I, that I've always enjoyed it. I, that's and that's what I've looked forward to continuing. You know, uh, you, you know, you think about the game of golf; it's based on honesty and integrity. Um, and you know, I like that about uh, you know about the business. Um, you know, I I've never really I've never had a a bad golf client. You know, uh, I mean, they treat you know we treat each other with with respect. Uh, you know, we in, you know, have the same goals of what we're, you know what we're trying to get after. So, in, in terms of a business, I mean, it, it's just a it's it, it's a tremendous. I think it's a tremendous business. And you know, when I talk to young people that are interested in pursuing golf, I you know I like to just suggest that hey, it takes patience and persistence. You have to keep knocking on the doors, going to visit, um, you know, the, the architects. Let them have a sense of what you're capable of doing. Um, and and just just keep after it. I mean, there has to be people, you know, that that will even have a, you know, a better sense and uh, and and passion for this. Um, at, because yeah, at some point, you know, I, I'm going to get too old or too tired or something, you know. Yeah, but I I certainly hope on my behalf that's not for a, you know many a few. You know, I'd like to at least see 80 maybe. <laughs> you know, I'd like to get 80 85 out of me. Well, Garrett, this was a tremendous uh, conversation. Good luck with the rest of your 2022, and thanks for taking so much time to join us. Well, Guy, I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to talk and visit, and and again, I um, look forward to the opportunity to, for us to get together and meet face-to-face and maybe play a few holes.